Today's reading is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 22, verses 7 to 30. And if you need a copy of the hard copy of the Bible, uh, please raise your hands. One can be delivered to you if you need one. Okay? It's the book of Luke, chapter 22, verses 7 to 30. And in the uh, church Bible is in on page 855, 855. Then came the day of the unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest house, guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They then left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat the pa this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it, divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruits of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to that, to that man to, who betrayed him. Then came the questions among themselves, which of them it might be who would do this? A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is, the, for who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred once to me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in, the, in my kingdom and sit on the thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, James. If you can have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 22, that would be great. And this is the final uh, part of the Meals with Jesus series. Um, And I'll allude to some of the other sermons uh, in the past. So if you've missed it, uh, do listen online. Um, But let's pray that God will speak to us today as we come to this text. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who feeds us, uh, feeds us not only with your word, uh, not only spiritually, but you are the one who provides living bread, bread for us, that you are the one who sustains us. And Lord, we pray that as we come to this table, as we come to this text, that you will feed us. You will feed us in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirits, um, but also as we come to this, around this table, that you will uh, feed us um, in our, physically as well, that we might know you as uh, the one who brings salvation to all of us, all, every part of our, uh, uh, who we are. We pray, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope um, that throughout the series you've been thinking about eating differently. I mean, not just, I'm not, I'm not obviously talking about diet, going on a special diet or anything like that, but you've been thinking about what eating means at home. Every meal should and could be a celebration of God's abundant provision for us and our dependence on Him. Every meal could be a joyful celebration of different people coming together with Jesus as our host. We might, eat, we might eat mindful of how we've been invited to a table to which we don't belong, that we might invite others. In every meal, we might look forward to the renewed creation, the joy of eating with Christ and all the followers of Christ again. Every meal could point to this, but that's especially true of the Lord's Supper. Because this is a meal that Jesus himself established to teach and to form us, to shape us as his his disciples. And as we come to the Lord's Supper, we remember what he has done and we participate in what he's doing. Now we anticipate what's to come in the future. First and foremost, the communion table, as you know, is a table of remembrance. I mean, it's no secret because Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. But before it was the Lord's Supper, before it was the supper that Jesus instituted, it was a Passover meal. Some people think that Jesus died a tragic death, right? He was probably 33 or something like that when he was killed. A tragic, untimely death. But that's not the Bible's depiction of how Jesus died. Jesus timed his visit to Jerusalem. He had planned to eat this meal before he went to the cross to die for our sins. That's why Luke in this text, in chapter 22, takes pains to show how Jesus is in full control of the situation. He's not a victim of these, uh, uh, the people and the plots. He's in full control of every aspect of his last days. Right? It was Jesus who sent Peter and John into the city and and to this specific man. And he even tells tells them what to say when they meet this man. And when they did so, 
verse 13, they found things just as Jesus had told them. You see, Jesus planned to die and Jesus planned to eat this meal before dying on the cross. He planned to eat the Passover meal. Why then? Why the Passover meal? Well, Passover was, the Jewish, uh, was when Jewish people commemorated their salvation. You know the story, the last of the 10 plagues uh, in Egypt was uh, how God was to bring upon uh, the, all the firstborn of Egyptians, all the firstborn in Egypt of, of people and of animals of death. And in order to avoid this, sort of the firstborn of all the people and the animals, in order to avoid this judgment, he commanded all who would listen to uh, kill a lamb, to kill it and to take the blood and spread it over the mantles of the door, of their doors. And he promised then that death, that judgment would pass over the houses that had the blood of the lamb on it. Of course, Pharaoh ignored the warning. And only when the firstborn children and of animals died in Egypt, he relented. So they went through the Red Sea. They celebrated in the desert. And in the desert, God tells Israelites to do this, to celebrate a meal, Passover meal, every year so that they would remember their salvation, that they could pass on their uh, remembrance to the next generation. And if you've ever eaten the Passover meal, and by the way, we will do this again in, during Easter time, um, again in 2019, as a church, but you know that the meal progresses through a series of questions. And one of the first questions that they ask is, why is this night different from all other nights? And they, they tell the story of the Passover and of uh, the, the Exodus. But one of the questions that they also ask uh, children is to ask is, why do we eat this bread, this flat, unleavened bread? And he would answer that the bread is the bread of affliction, bread of suffering. It symbolizes how actually they didn't have the luxury of putting uh, the, the uh, 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 what's the thing? Yeast, thank you, uh, yeast into the bread to let it rise. And not only that, actually, when it, it, during Exodus, they didn't have time. Uh, they, they needed to escape uh, right away, and so they it's a symbol of their affliction and their escape. And that's, what, that's the Passover meal and that's what the disciples would have expected to hear. But instead, Jesus says something shocking in the middle of a Passover meal that they have celebrated throughout their lives, pointing to the bread instead of saying that this is bread of our affliction. affliction. This is the bread of our suffering. He says, actually, this is my body. What Jesus is saying is this is the bread of my affliction, my suffering, of my death. He then pointed to the wine and said, this is the, uh, the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you, which is poured for you. Jews weren't supposed to eat anything with blood in it, right? And Jesus says, this is my blood. And he says, now you drink it. It must have been shocking. And he said something similar as he fed the 5,000. If you uh, remember uh, in John chapter 6, verse 53, he, says, he said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And this is what Jesus is saying as he celebrates the Passover meal. 
right? All these years, you remembered how God had redeemed you, the Israelites, out of economic and political oppression. But now I'm going to change everything and bring you a different salvation. Not only would a nation be delivered, but every single person who put their faith in Jesus Christ, no matter their race, no matter their ethnicity, no matter, no matter their standing in the world, whoever puts their faith in Jesus will become part of God's people. And not only would they be delivered, um, uh, they would be delivered uh, from sort of economic political oppression, that's to come, but they would, they would be delivered from sin. They would be delivered from suffering. They would be delivered from death itself because I am dying for you. And he promises a whole new world to come where all these things will end. He's saying, I am the ultimate Moses, greater Moses. Your salvation is greater than their salvation. Tonight will be different from all other nights because I am dying for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And did you notice how actually there was no lamb in the supper? In Luke's telling of this story, there is no lamb. And some scholars say actually it's because Luke just left it out. It just wasn't recorded. Well, that might be, but it seems more probable to me that the absence is intentional. There is no lamb because Jesus is the lamb. He is the one who's to be killed, body broken and blood spilled. In the Lord's Supper, we remember our salvation. I don't know if anybody, any of you has uh, watched the, the Passion of Christ, Mel Gibson's Passion of Christ. You remember how you cried. I mean, I cried. My mom cried. <laughs> sobbing as we saw Jesus' body being broken, right, and blood being spilled. And that's what we remember in the Lord's Supper, how Jesus' body was broken. He took, his blood was spilled. He took our judgment in our place that we might celebrate, we might be invited to the Messianic table and be present in the kingdom of God when he comes back. Friends, could you imagine if you were the eldest child, eldest child of Israel on the Passover night, in the original Passover night, uh, could you raise your hand if you were the eldest in your family? You would all be dead. <laughs> right? Imagine, imagine if you were the eldest child, what would you have done? You would have asked your dad, Dad, did you listen to what Moses said? Did you listen to what Yahweh God said? Did you actually kill this lamb? Did you put the blood over the doorpost? You would ask, right? Friends, if you're not a Christian, the judgment that came upon the children of Egypt, the animals of Egypt, will come upon all of us. When Jesus comes back, make sure that Christ's blood is applied to you. Make sure that you come to him and say, you are my salvation. I want to invite you to my life. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. If you haven't done that, please do that. And if you're a Christian, today, for the rest of us, we celebrate communion here in Shatin Church every other Sunday because it's important to remember the gospel. Right? Because the communion table preaches the gospel of Christ, what he has done for us. I've heard some people say we should do less of it, right? Because some, if we do it too many times, it makes it sort of meaningless. It makes it rote. 
But actually, I don't think that's true of many important things in our life. I mean, Mary needs to know um, that I love her. Right? I don't say to her, well, I'm going to tell you I love you just once a year or maybe once every month to make it special for you every time I say it. Right? I, want, I say it because it's important. And the gospel is important. We preach it in word and we celebrate it. We, we remember it around this table and we, because we know that this is the gospel going out. And as the, as the gospel, we remember the gospel, it will shape us. It will shape as us as people of God. So we remember what Christ has done um, in communion. But it's actually more than that because Jesus didn't say, uh, say this to each other. Jesus didn't say, explain this to each other on this night. But he says, do this. Do this. Eat this. Drink this as you remember. This is a famous text, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? That word participation, King James translates as communion. Is it not communion? That's where we get the word communion. But what this no matter what you call it, the Lord's Supper, communion, the Eucharist, uh, it, it's something that we do together. It's something that we participate in. Unfortunately, the debate around communion often revolves around what, what is the bread? What is the wine? Does it actually become in their substance the body and blood of Jesus Christ? Right? That's the debate that goes on. And that's very theoretical. And it's an important question, but it's a very theoretical question. But that's not, the communion isn't theory. It's something that we are to do. We are to do together. We are to celebrate and participate in. C.S. Lewis rightly observes that God never meant man to be purely spiritual creature. That's why he uses material things like bread and wine to put the new life into us. We may think this rather crude and unspiritual. God does not. He invented eating. He likes matter. He invented it. He doesn't want us to just think and reflect on what God has done as if we're just purely spiritual or mental or psychological beings. God will feed us because he created matter and he will feed us his grace with these elements as we come together, as we participate in it. And I can think of just a couple of ways where how this thing becomes real as we do this together. And one way is just community, right? All of us. Uh, Passover was one of the biggest celebrations of the Jewish community. And in the Jewish community, I mean, it, not just in Jewish community, but in every community, what do you do in big holidays? You eat. You have a feast. In big holidays, who do you eat with? Family. Right? Isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we as we come to this table, as you all come up to take communion, a family is being created. We know that. We know that the church is the family. But as, as we come together to eat from the same bread, from the same table, we become family. We recognize that you and I, the people around us, are what, what God calls us family, what God creates as a family. Another example might be grace. Grace. 
I don't know if, if you've had the experience of wanting, not wanting to take communion because you felt unworthy or maybe even afraid of it. After all, St. Paul warns us to examine ourselves before taking communion in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Maybe after the fight, I mean, this happens, right? You, know, you come to church and people are late and you get into a little tiff with your family and you just don't feel good about it. And particularly, maybe you had a particularly terrible week at home, a terrible week at work, and you did things that you're not proud of. And so at home, you do, you're not reading the Bible, you're not praying um, to God, and you feel far away from him. But then Jesus says, you come to church, and Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. So we get out of our seats, and we walk to the front, and we eat the bread and drink the cup of wine, which Jesus says is his body and blood. And as we participate in it, we realize that grace is given freely to all those who receive it. That merit has nothing to do with it. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Grace is given freely to all those who would come to Jesus and say, I need you. And you might realize that as you receive the, 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 the bread and as you drink from the cup, grace becomes real to us. But there are things I think that we miss out as Anglicans doing communion the way that we do. And I'm not advocating for a change because I don't want to get into uh, trouble with the bishop or um, because it would be hard to do. But I hope you'll take some of the lessons of, from the Bible seriously, right? Because we eat this little wafer and we uh, dunk it into the, uh, the wine and uh, we, the atmosphere oftentimes feels like a funeral, but for the early church, the communion was a full meal, right? It's when uh, people were, people got full and some people got drunk, um, which Paul says shouldn't ever have happened. But it was a full meal and it was a celebration. But that's something that's actually done better at home than here. Right? Preparing a full meal every week, something like that. Having a full meal would create this experience of joy, right? As we celebrate our relationship, reconciled to God and with each other. Around the full meal, as we converse, uh, right? That, 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 that uh, we might experience that joy better in that setting than in this setting. And not only that, I think doing uh, a full meal like this at home might give us a better sense of uh, what it means to serve each other, right? Because communion is a time when we are supposed to serve as Christ served us. At home, you'd have to prepare the meal, you'd have to serve the meal to each other, and you'd have to clean up after the meal. And that's something that we don't do in this sort of setting in church. Friends, the point is this, though. The Lord's Supper is not something that we just think about. Jesus commanded us to do it, to participate in it, because in participating, we are shaped as gospel people, as Jesus people. So we remember and we participate. But finally, we also, in this supper, we also anticipate what's to come. If you look at verse 15, Jesus tells us why he wanted to have this meal. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus is about to suffer on the cross 
And he wants a nice meal with his friends. He wants that joy to go with him as he goes to the cross. But not only that, it's, it's more than that. Verse 16. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds its fulfillment in the kingdom of God. He says that this uh, last joyful meal together is he wants it as an anticipation to what's to come in the future. Where actually, you see, after death and resurrection, when Jesus comes back, he will gather all the apostles all the disciples of the past, present, and the future and host a messianic banquet where he will eat and celebrate together, right? We will do this and as he goes to the cross, he wants just a little bit of a taste of that messianic banquet that's to come. He wants that future to come now. He wants to anticipate that future. Remember, Remembering is about the past, right? Participating is mostly about present, experiencing that, but anticipation is about the future. The Lord's Supper anticipates that messianic banquet and the heavenly kingdom that's coming. So today, as we come, we recognize that there's imperfect unity here. Actually, many of us don't know each other. You might even not like some people here. You might even have some quarrels with people here. But you know what? We come anyway to this table as one because we anticipate a time when we will be perfectly united. We want to just enjoy that moment of unity in the midst of so much sin and disunity. Most of us come uh, with imperfect realization of grace, God's grace. Uh, we think that we say that we're saved by grace alone, but our, 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 our hearts are full of self-righteousness. It, the self-righteousness lurks there. And coming to this table and receiving this salvation, I hope you'll have a moment of realization that it's not by your works, but by what Jesus has done, that you are saved. And not only that, we often have this illusion, uh, delusion that we are independent people, that we can earn our bread, we can earn uh, the future. But by taking this bread, you know, bread is just basic thing that you need for survival, right? I hope you'll have a moment of realization that actually we are completely dependent on him, that everything that we've been given is something that God has given to each of us. We anticipate a time when we will fully realize this. We also anticipate joy, don't we? Once again, if you think about what Jesus did, Jesus was surrounded by people who would betray him. Every single one, not just Judas, not just Peter. Every single one will run away from him uh, uh, when the time comes. And not only that, he's surrounded by evil that will carry him to the cross, that will nail him to the cross and the disciples we see right after arguing over who's going to be the greatest who's going to be considered the greatest it's the kind of world that we live in now and so you today come with all sorts of grief all sorts of brokenness all sorts of fighting and sin in this world even death in the family 
but we come to anticipate joyfully a time when this will all be gone when the greatest among us will serve the least when suffering and evil and sin and death will be vanquished Jesus rested on that thought as he went to the cross and we are to experience that moment of joy as we come around this table let me quote Tim Chester here in that book a meal with Jesus in this sad and broken world the Lord's Supper is a moment of joy because it's a moment of the future friends there's also the reason why Jesus celebrates with real bread and real wine because they're real just as our salvation is real goal isn't heaven goal isn't some spiritual realization you know there will be there will be bread in the new creation there will the bread somehow will be renewed i hope there will be rice too um there will be wine there will be other drinks the whole new the creation will be renewed right and as we come we look forward to that time when god will renew the whole creation for us so as we end we end this whole series thinking about the communion and what it, what that means for us but i hope you've seen actually this whole series in many ways is not so much about why the communion is sacred but actually how every meal is sacred that some of the lessons that we learn in communion that we should take back to our homes how every meal could be eaten differently every meal can be a sign of god's grace our dependence on him every meal could be a sign of god's new community every meal could be god's mission going out every meal could be the hope of the coming future and of, of course every meal could be a reminder of what jesus has done for us jesus says the son of man came eating and drinking because he did so much of it he was known for it friends as followers of jesus let's follow him let's pray Lord we thank you for feeding us with bread. We thank you that you are the one who sustains us. But Lord, we thank you that your body, this bread was broken and the blood was shed that we might eat and have life. We might have a have that hope. And Lord, we pray that we'll be a people of that hope. And we pray that our eating will be a sign of the future to come uh, not just sign of the future to come but a way of people not just in people in this church but people around us to experience the kingdom of god that has come upon our lives may our meals be a great time of joy great time of being reminded of who you are and what you have done for us we pray these things in jesus name amen